Blog Talk Radio. It's been a long road getting from there to here. It's been a long time, but my time is finally here. I can feel a change in the way right now. Nothing's in my way. Good evening, Great Britain. Good afternoon, United States. And if you're in Australia, it's probably the middle of the night, so nobody's probably listening right now. Anyway, this is Dr. Jess Armine coming to you from the Center for Bioindividualized Medicine here in southeastern Pennsylvania, United States. Welcome, everybody. This is the first podcast that I'm doing specifically for UK. As you all know, I've been there a couple of times, and I absolutely have become an Anglophile. So I love you guys an awful lot. Um, today we're going to talk about ME and CFS, the good, the bad, the ugly. I chose this particular subject because let's face it, a lot of people get diagnosed with this and I thought this would be a good place to start. Uh, hopefully you've gotten the PDF for the show. If you're on the uh, chat, I put the uh, link for it, um, and you can uh, get it. I've, I've published it a few times. And if not, just listen in. Okay. Um, I know there was a Skype to talk feature and I got notified by blog talk radio just before the show that that's not working right now. Don't ask me why, but it's typical for blog talk radio to, Oh, by the way, it's not going to work today. Bye. Okay. So (laughs) we're just going to have to muddle through. Okay. Um, Anytime we start something, it's um, there's always going to be some, some little glitches here and there. Okay, uh, you may wonder about <clears throat> my opening um, my opening song, which is the uh, theme song from, theme song from um, uh, the uh, Enterprise, the Starship Enterprise uh, uh, show, one of the, one of the uh, later shows. And the reason I like it is because it talks about faith of the heart and strength of the soul. And uh, the fact is that I deal with many people with chronic illnesses. And I have to tell you, you are the strongest people I have ever met in my life. Okay. To endure what you endure. Okay. takes strength of the soul and faith of the heart. So anyway, how about we get into today's uh, discussion? Okay. Um, What are we told about MECFS? We're told that it's chronic or permanent, that we don't know why it happens. And you're going to have to learn to live with it. And essentially, it's things to be you. And that's the impression that when you walk out of your doctor's office, they say, oh, you have ME. Here's a prescription. See you later. Okay. I'm going to kind of fly in the face of that. Okay. Let's talk about some basics. 
traditional medicine, allopathic medicine, you know, the, the regular doctors consider things like ME, CFS, fibromyalgia, multiple chemical sensitivities, dysautonomia, and all those things as diagnoses. And I really want to start out with the fact that they aren't diagnoses, okay? A medical diagnosis is the process of determining which disease or condition explains a person's symptoms and signs, okay? And that's from Wikipedia. That is, a diagnosis is an estimate of the root cause of a condition, so things like fibromyalgia, ME, OCD, ADD, these are all syndromes. These are collections of symptoms. To give you an example, excuse me, have to clear my throat. To give you an example, if you have a sore throat, that's a symptom. If you have a strep throat, that's a diagnosis, okay? When somebody says you have ME or chronic fatigue or fibromyalgia, guess what? That's not a diagnosis. That's just a collection of symptoms. So I was going to ask you, is ME-CFS a diagnosis? I don't think so. So here's a hypothesis for you. Perhaps ME is secondary to something else, or more accurately, is the downstream effect of one or more root causes yielding a domino effect of symptoms. Okay? I want us to all start thinking, and I want, you know, I know that my patients in UK and everywhere else, they, they get this, but there are thousands of more people out there who are suffering needlessly because or something like it is a diagnosis they're just going to have to live with. If they change their thinking that ME is secondary to something and insisted and continued to insist that investigations occur, the root causes would be found and people would return to a normal life. So the reality is that ME is secondary to some other entity and the eradication of that entity is indicated. Okay, more, more, more than eradication of the uh, root cause. You have to ameliorate or cure what that root cause did to the body. Okay, inflammation, immune upregulation, neurotransmitter imbalances, leaky gut syndrome, cell wall hyperpermeability must be considered, considered and treated. Okay, and the fact is that you can actually cure the root cause, but if that person's had that problem for a lot of years, there's going to be a lot of body damage that has to be repaired, and it can be repaired. Okay, so let's look at ME specifically. ME is myalgic encephalomyelitis, okay, which, believe it or not, doesn't make an awful lot of sense, okay? Again, I have to clear my throat. Hold on. And chronic fatigue syndrome is a condition causing persistent fatigue that lasts for at least six months or longer, and it isn't due to another medical condition, okay? Uh, ME-CFS is also known as chronic fatigue immune dysfunction syndrome, okay? And here are some of the signs that they look for. You feel extremely tired for more than 24 hours after exercise that would normally be considered easy exercise. You feel unrefreshed after sleeping for a proper amount of time. Forgetfulness, concentration problems, confusion, joint pain but no swelling or redness, headaches that differ from what you had in the past, irritability, mild fever, muscle aches, myalgias, muscle weakness all over or in multiple locations, not explainable by any known disorder sore throat, and sore lymph nodes. This is from uh, Medline Plus. I was, uh, looked up the actual medical definition of what's considered ME and CFS. 
according to the same literature, uh, some of the causes of ME can be viral infections, genetic predisposition, environmental toxins, and immune reactions. These are all considered possible causes of the disorder. Recent research has focused on abnormalities of certain levels of hormones, uh, specifically cortisol and the female sex hormones. And uh, according to the literature, they don't know why. I know why, but they don't know why. For some people, surgery, a head injury, other traumas may trigger ME. And certain medications that you're taking long term can give you an ME-like syndrome. And that's uh, benzodiazepines like uh, Valium, Xanax, Ativan, and the like, beta blockers, uh, sedatives, antidepressants, and excessive use of antibiotics can cause fatigue. Okay? And uh, frankly, uh, that's because it causes a leaky gut syndrome. Now, fibromyalgia is very similar, okay? The symptoms of fibromyalgia include chronic muscle pain, muscle spasms, tightness, moderate or severe fatigue and decreased energy, insomnia, stiffness upon awakening, abdominal pain, tension or migraine headaches, jaw and facial tenderness, sensitivity to one or more of the following odors, noise, bright lights, this is all called dysautonomias, feeling anxious or depressed, numbness or tingling in the face and arms, increases in urinary frequency, reduced tolerance for exercise, and a feeling of swelling without actual swelling. She sounds like ME, doesn't it? Okay. The fibro, fibromyalgia causes could be hormonal disturbances, stress, okay, um, neurotransmitter problems, especially serotonin. Okay, fibromyalgia can be secondary to sudden trauma to the brain and the, final, and the spinal cord. Okay, there's a lot of theories about what causes fibromyalgia, but, a lot, but the medical profession believes that it's merely speculative. A lot of talk about Lyme disease lately, okay? And chronic Lyme disease can affect the skin, brain, and nervous system, muscles and bones and cartilage, but especially the nervous system. And symptoms include things like chronic arthritis, fatigue, headaches, joint inflammation, memory loss, mood changes, sleep disorders. Sound familiar? Other symptoms that occur, abnormal sensitivity to light, confusion, decreased consciousness, numbness and tingling. Hmm. Kind of sounding like everything else. Okay. Dysautonomias. Okay. This is an autonomic nervous system disorder. A blanket label applied to a variety of symptoms or conditions that develop because of a malfunction of the involuntary nervous system. You know this as POTS, postural orthostatic, I'm sorry, my God, speak English, Jeff. Postural orthostatic tachycardia syndrome, inappropriate sinus tachycardia, vasovagal sympathy, neurocardiogenic sympathy, uh, syncope, neurally mediated hypotension, orthostatic hypotension, orthostatic hypertension, okay, paroxysmal sympathetic hyperactivity, and something else called cerebral salt wasting syndrome, okay? By the way, in the future, I'm going to be doing these podcasts every two weeks for UK, okay? I'm going to uh, do separate podcasts on fibromyalgia, Lyme disease, dysautonomias, okay? So um, the reason I went quickly through that is because today I'd like to talk about ME, and I talk about some basic principles, okay, so that we have a basis of uh, discussion for future, okay? <clears throat> Look, the common symptoms, okay, you notice that I kept saying G sounds alike. 
Look at chronic Lyme fibromyalgia, ME, and dysautonomias, okay? They all have the same symptoms, fatigue, chronic pain, mood changes, confusion, brain fog, okay, numbness, tingling, sensitivities to light, inflammation. I, I got to tell you, if there, are, if there are common symptoms, okay, that we just randomly give different names to, maybe, just maybe, there's a chronic causation. What do you think, okay? That kind of lends the possibility that this stuff can be fixed, all right? The common causations are infections, genetic predispositions, environmental toxins, neurotransmitter imbalances, hormonal imbalances, trauma, and these all result in chronic inflammation. Now, acute inflammation, you get the stimulus and your body takes care of it, it goes away. And I'm going to explain how that happens in a few minutes, okay? But chronic inflammation, believe it or not, starts feeding on itself. It's sort of like a forest fire. Okay, once it starts going, you could take, you could put it out, you know, when it's pretty close, you know, it's pretty small. But once it gets really hot and going, it just feeds on itself. Okay, and that's what chronic inflammation does, and it has a lot of effects. And you can cure the root cause, but if you have enough inflammation, it'll just feed, it'll just feed on itself. Believe me. Okay, well, in this, uh, if if you have the PDF in front of you, you're seeing a little cell. Okay, that is a little sad. And what I want to introduce to you here is the fact that a cell can be damaged by not only chemical and physical means, okay, like heavy metals, BPA, benzene, heat, salt, uh, shock, radiation, trauma, and microbes like mold, fungi, parasites, bacteria, but can also be equally damaged by psychological problems like yelling, abuse, isolation, abandonment, and PTSD. Now, I want you to listen to this really closely because it's really important. Don't let anybody ever tell you that psychological manifestations, and I'll, I'll be very general, are a weakness of stock, a weakness of spirit, or you just can't handle your life. Okay, let me tell you a little secret. Just as much as heavy metals significant psychological difficulties will damage the cells equally. So those three factors, chemical, physical, microbial, and psychological, equally damage the cells. And that's what starts cellular dysfunction. Why is that important? Well, everybody thinks that things happen all around, like detoxification happens over here, methylation happens over there. You know, everything happens within the confines of the cell. So if you fix a cell, you fix a body. And think about this. If you put a bunch of cells together, you got a tissue. Put a bunch of tissues together, you got an organ. You put a bunch of organs together to do the same thing, you got a, you got a person, okay? So everybody wants to treat the end result of something. Really, you've got to treat the cells. And in order to treat the cells, you've got to know what has been damaging them, okay? So if you know what's been damaging them and you know what the downstream effects are, you can actually fix somebody almost no matter what they have, okay? So... There was a paper done by Robert Navarro um, called The Metabolic De uh, Features of the Cell Danger Response. And it's about the mitochondria. And this, uh, Dr. Navarro is at the Metabolic and Mitochondrial Disease Center in the University of Southern California Medical School. Okay? And in this slide, it shows you what those cell danger responses, those three things that damage cells, actually interfere with cellular electron flow. That is the electrons going into the powerhouse of the cell that create your energy, oxygen consumption, that's obvious, cell, cellular fluidity, 
the fluidity of the cell walls. Well, let's face it. If your cell walls aren't working, everything's going to start leaking and nothing's going to, nothing's going to stick, so to speak. Your availability of vitamins and very important metal homeostasis. Okay. When your cells don't work because of these numerous causes, okay, everybody looks and says, oh my God, I've got a heavy metal load. You know, look at all this mercury, thallium, and so forth. Well, unless you've been chewing on mercury, where are you getting the mercury from? The fact is it's in the atmosphere, and you breathe an awful lot of air every day, and you're taking in little by little by little by little. You can also get it from amalgams and stuff like that, but I'm using mercury as an example, lead, thallium, okay, barium. I can use any of these uh, chemicals. Okay, it's usually in the air. If you live near a road or you live in a city, you're getting a lot of the exhaust from cars and so forth, and you're breathing that in, and it's getting deposited into your cells. So if your cells can't get rid of the metals, they're going to build up and you're going to get a heavy metal load. But the way to fix that is not to start chelating somebody, but to start fixing their cellular function so that they can engage in metal homeostasis and get rid of the metals on their own. Also, creation of proteins, the, uh, lipid dynamics, the energy of the cell, and protein aggregation and protein folding. These are what are called homeostatic mechanisms. This is what your body's trying to do. This is how it fixes itself by creating homeostasis. On the next slide, I talk about acute versus chronic, and this is really key. Uh, and this is where most doctors uh, drop the ball. When you have an acute problem, in other words, no other problems and you just have an acute problem, there's no really bad downstream effects and you quickly recover. Think about it. When you were a kid and got a strep throat, your doctor gave you some antibiotics, you felt bad for about a week, and then all of a sudden you got better and you went on with your life, okay? That's because you had all of your homeostatic mechanisms intact. Well, Dr. Navarro's paper showed us that chronic CDRs or chronic damages to the cell, either in tandem, together, accumulative, have numerous downstream effects on all those factors I spoke about before, and they synergize. In other words, instead of four plus four plus four, it's four times four times four. And over time, what's going to happen is that your homeostatic mechanisms, those mechanisms that make your cells heal and thereby make you feel, I'm sorry, heal, will simply stop working. This is a reason why if you don't fix the cells and you don't consider this, you can like try and get rid of Lyme, get rid of parasites and so forth. You'll never get better. Okay, because you have to not only get at the root causes that cause the illness, you've got to fix the cellular structure so that your body can actually heal itself. Okay, and unless you put these two together, people don't heal. Okay, so the bottom line is unless you identify and eradicate the root causes and identify and treat the downstream effects, you're never going to heal. Bottom line. Okay. Okay, so... I, this slide you don't have, I wanted to go through ME, those symptoms, and tell you what they're really from. And again, I have to clear my throat. Thank you. All right, so feeling extremely tired for more than 24 hours after exercise, that would normally be considered easy exercise. That's usually mitochondrial dysfunction. That's a downstream effect, okay? Feeling unrefreshed unrefreshed after sleeping for a proper amount of time. That's a neurotransmitter imbalance, okay? That's usually an imbalance in GABA and serotonin. And in order to sleep, you need melatonin to get to sleep and serotonin and GABA to stay asleep. Well, guess what? You know, that is a downstream effect of whatever the root causes are. Forgetfulness, 
is either a lack of phenylethylamine or norepinephrine. Same thing with concentration problems. Again, downstream effects. Confusion, high ammonia or neurotransmitter imbalances. This is overload of the arginine pathway. Okay, so you can't get rid of your ammonia to make it into urea. Okay, or it's a neurotransmitter problem. Joint pain, but without swelling or redness. Well, guess what? That's inflammation. Okay, you don't have to have the swelling. Only in acute inflammation are you going to see the swelling. Headaches that differ from what you usually had in the past. Well, that can have an awful lot of root causes, an awful lot of root causes. Okay, irritability is simple neurotransmitter imbalance. Okay, um, mild fever is your body's cytokines, which are your immune system trying to fight, okay, one of the reasons that you have fever is to fight microbes. Also, when you have a lot of pro-inflammatory cytokines, you're going to be tired, okay, because God made you so that when you were ill, you would get tired, so you would rest. But, of course, this is taking that to an nth degree. Muscle aches, that can be mental deficiencies, inflammation, or mitochondrial dysfunction. Muscle weakness, okay, all over or in one area. Again, trace mineral deficiency, mitochondrial dysfunction. These are all downstream effects from a root cause, not something amorphous that happens for no reason. Sore throat, again, has lots of causes, okay? And sore lymph nodes in the neck or under the arms, you're fighting infection. That's what the lymph nodes are. They're basically a pathway for lymph to go through. And the nodes are like, like a toll booth where the immune system is looking at the lymph for invaders, okay? So when they're swollen, there's just a lot more lymph in the system, okay? Because your body has a lot of metabolism going on trying to fight the infections, okay? So is ME incurable? I say it again, is ME incurable? I think not, okay? But perhaps it's my point of view. If you look at it as ME is an independent entity of unknown cause, then frankly, it can't be cured, if ME is a downstream effect of one or more other entities, then cure is possible. I'll give you an example. If I look at you and say, you have schizophrenia, okay, in your mind, you're going to say, oh, darn, I'm going to have to be, you're going to probably say worse words than that, but I'll be polite. Um, you're going to say, this is incurable. I'm going to be on medicines for the rest of my life. Okay, but if I look at you and I say, because remember, schizophrenia is a thought disorder with hallucinations and so forth, okay? If I look at you and say, you know, those hallucinations you've been having are secondary to expression of your genetic predispositions that are being caused by neurotransmitter imbalances and inflammation that are secondary to chronic Lyme disease and chronic yeast infections and leaky gut syndrome. Okay, you're going to look at me and say, hey, doc, how do we fix it? Because all of a sudden, now it's fixable. It's the same condition. But if you look at it primarily as being this roll of the cosmic dice, and there's nothing we can do about it, and it can't be cured, then that's exactly what will happen. Okay, but if you look at ME or any of the syndromes that, we're going to talk of, that we've talked about today and we'll talk about in the future, and look at them as, hey, something caused it, and my body reacted in a certain way and either was treated correctly or incorrectly. And that's based on genetic predisposition and, you know, what kind of treatment you got. If you look at it from that point of view, all of a sudden it's possible to cure it. And all we have to do is do the work to cure it. So you have to think if you have something like this, where do you stand on this subject? Okay. Do you believe that it's an incurable condition or 
is it possible to cure it? And if it's possible to cure it, we need to change our paradigm. We need to change how we think about it. And moreover, where does your health care provider stand? Okay. Now, listen, I, I spent a little time in, in Britain, and I know how the NHS is and how some of the general practitioners are, but I will tell you something. The times there are changing. Okay. I did this for the past few years in the United States. I started a podcast like this in 2013. Okay. And I got to tell you, it, it met with resistance. But over time, people started going to the doctors and saying, look, start looking. Oh, no, no, this is an, no, no. Hashimoto's can be cured. Cut it out and start looking for ba 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 Now, here in the United States, it's a, it was a little bit easier for them because those patients just say, I'm going to go see a different doctor. <laughs> okay, so that doctor didn't want to lose patients. But, you know, it's still possible if you walk in with knowledge and you don't accept the fact that this is incurable, okay? So if we at the grassroots level start demanding better of our healthcare providers, eventually it will happen. But we're the ones right now that have to have the energy. Okay. Um, I, I didn't know how long this was going to take. So this is probably kind of short uh, for a first time. So bear with me a moment. Uh, at the end of um, my, uh, my PDF here, um, I'm offering everybody a free gift. If you go to my website, which is uh, com, and sign up for the titled How to Read Your 23 Me Without Going Crazy. What I tried to do is take, out, take the confusion out of reading the 23 Me genetic data. Okay, and it's completely free, and you get to hear me babble about uh, genetics and their proper place because I'm kind of getting upset with people who look at one pathway and say, oh, MTHFR is everything, okay? And, of course, if you wanted to uh, consult with me, you can go to my website and just click on be, uh, Become a Patient. Uh, I'll be coming back to UK to run clinics and train providers in 2016 in September, late September. And this is the good news, okay? I know I have uh, lo- loads of patients in UK, and, you know, it's I have a lot of doctors who have been uh, following me and, uh, shadowing me because they want to learn the way that I think and the way that I approach things. Well, that's going to start being formalized. And my intention, my stated intention, I'm going to tell you right now, is to start getting you guys a set of providers in UK that you can go to, okay, that understand and approach chronic illnesses like I do, okay? And frankly, I'm not going to put anybody on my referral list who I haven't certified myself, haven't satisfied myself that they are well-trained, and can do this type of work. And always remember, they'll have me backing them up. Okay, so now it's time for your questions. I really apologize about the Skype thing. I don't know what happened. That's Blog Talk Radio's thing. If you're in the chat room, which I'm looking at straight here, you can start typing in questions. I'll be happy to answer them. If you do want to call in, and I apologize, it's going to be a long-distance call, uh, you'd use uh, 011 or plus one six four six. 595-2277, and it'll pop up on my screen. So that would be uh, either plus one or I think 011, uh, 646-595-2277. Or if you're in the chat room right now, you can type in a question and I'll answer it. Guys, help me out here. Ask a question. 
Okay, I think next time I'm going to make a longer lecture. Okay, people are logging out, logging in, logging out, logging in. Okay, here we go. So, um, talking about chronic illnesses, uh, ME per se, uh, just to extend it a little bit, just in case anybody wants to uh, call in and ask a question, uh, has numerous causes. The most common causes are microbial, like Lyme disease, uh, chronic strep. Uh, other causes uh, include um, thyroid illnesses, okay, um, diabetes. There's a whole mess of them, okay? Also, you know, most of the manifestations are easily managed. Like insomnia can be easily managed, okay? Uh, inflammation can be easily managed, okay? If you um, utilize uh, amino acid therapy, uh, it all depends on what your particular case shows. Uh, the use of testing, okay? There are a lot of people who take an awful lot of tests, and I have to tell you that testing is not as precise as you would like it to be, okay? Tests have to be interpreted. So even uh, Lyme testing, I know a lot of people use Armin labs. I tend to use uh, MDL labs here in New Jersey. These tests have to be interpreted, and they have to be interpreted in light of your entire condition. So just because the test is negative does not mean that you don't have a particular condition, Okay, I'll give you an example. How many people out there have obvious signs of hypothyroidism, low thyroid, and that would be being cold in 95-degree weather or losing your hair, having trouble losing weight, and yet have normal thyroid tests or normal TSH because they usually don't do that entire, uh, the entire test? Uh, lots, lots. Okay, so you really have to you know, look at this in light of the person's clinical condition, okay? So that's a really big problem, people doing a lot of tests and treating the test, not the person. One of the barometers you can use to know if your doctor really knows what they're doing or cares about you at all is that they will treat you and not the test. So if they look at you and you obviously have, let's say, a thyroid problem, and they say, well, your thyroid test is negative. It's not your thyroid. Or they stress test, and they, they automatically go to you're depressed or, or you have ME or something like that. Um, and I know that you're kind of stuck if you're seeing GPs there, but, you know, you have to be demanding. Demanding that they look further. Okay. Um, I can give you lots. We'll do a, we're going to do a show on Hashimoto's also at some point. Okay. I can give you lots of hints on how to look for thyroid problems without even the testing. Okay. So you could walk up to a doctor and say, um, oh, somebody just wrote something. It's a statement. Um, somebody says a uh, Dr. Skinner who sadly passed away successfully treated a number of patients diagnosed with ME by treating them for hypothyroidism. Like I said, one of the major reasons for chronic fatigue and me, which, like I said, myalgic encephalitis, mm -hmm, it doesn't make any sense. Anyway, but we'll call it chronic fatigue, okay, is hypothyroidism, okay? It's not the only cause, though. All right, so one of the things is when you go to certain clinics and they specialize in, and I see this happening a lot in the U.S., specialize in chronic fatigue or specialize in something, it's usually somebody who specializes or treats one thing like hypothyroidism. So everybody has hypothyroidism. Everybody gets treated the same way and they're working percentages. Um, UK is the home of 
Sherlock Holmes. Okay, and I think I've read everything. Okay, that's Sir Arthur Conan Doyle wrote, plus all the pastiches. There's one favorite saying. You know, it's a, it's a capital mistake to theorize without data. Okay, but everybody forgets the second part of that statement, and it goes like this. It's a capital mistake to theorize without data because insensibly you will twist facts to suit theories instead of theories to suit facts. And what we have here in our society is a bunch of theories that we call diagnoses, which are really syndromes. And the doctors are taught to shove you into one of those labels because they don't know what to do if they, you don't have a label or a diagnosis because that's the way they're trained. You have this diagnosis and I'm going to do this. You have this diagnosis, I'm going to do that. And what they're unwilling to do is twist their thinking so that your particular physiology is handled individually. Okay, and that's what you have to demand. So for ME, there is a root cause. There are root causes, okay? Do you know how I find the root causes? I take a history. Anybody who's treated with me knows that my consultations take around two hours because most of that time we're taking a history, and that's where we find where the problems are, okay? And what can cause ME can go from thyroid to parasites to Lyme disease to yeast to viral illnesses. Okay, if you listen to the, your patient, they'll tell you what's wrong. Okay, if a doctor's not taking good history, okay, or you're only getting five or six minutes of his time, they can barely deal with the chief complaint. And they're seeing so many people that they're getting frustrated. I actually feel bad for them because most doctors got into the business because they really do want to heal people. I think they're being very constrained. Okay, but again, this is your body. This is your most prized possession. So you need to be demanding of better care of and over a series of podcasts over the next few years, which I'm going to do at this time every other week because I'm doing my U.S. podcast every other week. Okay, so I'm going to flip back and forth. <clears throat> I'm going to give you the information you need to empower you. And um, I hope I get those little bugs worked out with Skype so you guys can call in free and ask your questions. Um, if anybody has questions and they're just listening, they can always email me. Okay, you can just go to the website, which is, again, drjessarmine.com. Okay, you can um, click the email from there, okay, and ask a question. It will be forwarded to me, and I'll do my best to answer it, okay? Uh, I, I also offer a 15-minute complimentary get acquainted sessions, which you can schedule on my website. If you had questions or you were thinking about treating with myself or somebody like myself and you needed to know, you know, how I go about things and so forth, I usually give that. Um, that's completely complimentary and there's no obligation whatsoever. So I don't see any more questions being asked and nobody's called in. I assume it's because of the Skype thing. Okay, so if anybody has any questions right now, in the chat room, please uh, go ahead and type them in. If somebody does want to call, it would be 011-646-595-2277. And um, we'll wait just for a little bit. I'm really excited about coming back, by the way, in September. And I'm excited about working with um, various... Uh, I'm very, very hopeful that in a very short period of time, okay, you guys are going to have a list of practitioners that you can trust and go to with your chronic illnesses and they will do the work 
that's required to figure out why you have it, what has happened, and come up with reasonable ways and successful ways of treating you. So looks like nobody's asking questions. I'm feeling kind of lonely over here because I'm sitting at my computer just kind of looking at it. <laughs> All righty, people. Listen, I will be back in a couple of weeks, okay? Uh, please go to my website or uh, get on the blog and let me know subjects that you want to hear about, okay? Areas that you'd like to be addressed, okay? I think that if we disseminate information far and wide, you guys will have the ammunition to be demanding of your healthcare providers and the level of care in UK will go up and up and up and up. Okay. But my job is to give you good, truthful information. So help me out by letting me know what you want to know about. And I will make a series of podcasts over the next couple of years that will address that. Somebody else has just typed in that. Wait, hold on. The TSH test became the preferred diagnosis tool back in 73. Before then, the doctors were trained to recognize and diagnose thyroid problems through symptoms. Amen. And observations. However, once the TSH became the gold standard, uh, the doctors stopped there. Well, I'll tell you what. (laughs) I'm going to tell you, I I read lab tests from all over the world. Okay, I really do because I have patients literally all over the world. And UK is the only place where I see a lab test that it gives a value, and then it says on the bottom, you know, abnormal, do nothing, okay? Uh, About the TSH, a thyroid-stimulating hormone is usually uh, the numbers are 5 to 4 or 4.5. And the higher it gets, the more – you can think of it like this. The more stress the thyroid is under to work, okay? And Usually, even even here in America, when it starts getting to around four, <laughs> the doctors pay attention, okay? In UK, they wait for it to get to 10. They're almost waiting for your thyroid to fail before they even bother to treat it. The fact is that if your TSH is pretty high and you look at the thyroglobulin antibodies and the thyroid peroxidase antibodies and they're high, you can work with that. You can fix that. You can look for the reasons for that. It's usually gluten or it's... Um, uh, you know, some other thing that's attacking the thyroid, and you can deal with it before it becomes Hashimoto's, before it becomes damaging, okay? Uh, it, it boggles my mind. It actually boggles my mind, but that's the way the system works, and we're not going to change it from the top down, for, so we're going to have to change it from the bottom up, okay? And that's our job, and my job is to give you the information you need, okay? And um, this is also a good reason as, as, as the... Um, person who's typing in that we're getting lots of new diseases like chronic fatigue and fibromyalgia. Okay. But although that's also true, okay. Think about all the diseases that are being ignored like Lyme disease. Okay. There's been a thing throughout the world where they're trying to deny Lyme disease's existence and they're basing it on testing and so forth and so on. The fact is Lyme disease is everywhere. Okay. They have found uh, that Lyme disease can be found in the emperor penguins in Antarctica. Now, that's a little weird, I know, but it turns out that the ticks are carried over by the seabirds. So even those maps that you look at that show you where Lyme concentrations are, they're all lies. They're all lies because Lyme is everywhere. So anytime you have a chronic illness, if you are not considering Lyme disease, it should be malpractice. Okay, but 
let's face it. I realize that there are problems with signing in to create an account and all these different things. Okay, with Blog Talk Radio, I apologize. This is um, my first time using it in this manner. Um, so I will try and do my best to work out uh, all the little glitches, okay, before our next time. So if anybody wants to listen to this podcast, it'll be on my website. Okay, all I have to do is go to my website, hit the radio shows, and there'll be the list of podcasts, all of them that I've done, okay? And so nobody is going to miss out on this. And as time goes on, we'll work out these little, um, these little glitches. You know, sorry. I did my best, but I don't know what to say. Okay, I don't see any other questions. So I think I'm going to uh, see somebody typing. Oh, here we go. A congested liver and you cannot talk, tolerate milk vessel. Don't know the reason. Uh, what supplements can you use to support the liver other than doing dietary changes? Okay. Uh, um, you have to also realize that I can't treat somebody on, on the podcast, but um, milk thistle is not the only thing you can use to help your liver. Actually, if you, there are different things you can do to help the liver detox, uh, coffee enemas, you know, various other supplements. The real thing for problems with detoxification is to get at the reason for the toxicity, okay, and work on the basic cellular function, okay. Um, I often have patients come to me with like two shopping bags worth of vitamins, and most of them are, you know, supplements to help detoxification. Well, <laughs> you have to detoxify those too, okay. So, guess what? I think simpler is better. Di- you know, simple dietary changes, you know, getting the junk out of your diet. Uh, you know, getting good vitamins and minerals. Uh, coffee enemas do work, but remember, they're not an end-all and an all okay? And you know, like I said, your basic vitamins and minerals, your phospholipids to rebuild your cell walls and so forth, okay? So those kind of things, you know, good quality water, very, very simple basic things are usually the best way to start clearing out the system. The more stuff you put in, the more stuff you have to detoxify. And the more stuff you put in, the more chances you are that you're crossing other pathways. So when I talk about foundational work or bioterrain therapy, and anybody who's treated with me usually knows that I go simple first before I get very specific. And it goes simple and global because your body's made to work, people. Okay, all you have to do is get out of its way. And we have made it so that we keep throwing stuff in that has done sometimes well, but sometimes quite inartfully. And uh, the results are a lack of healing. Okay. So like I said, uh, let me know what you want to know, what, what you would like to hear about, what you would like to learn about. Okay. I would love your input. Email me, call me, throw a rock at me. I don't really care. Okay. Just let me know what you want to know. Okay. So I can start talking about it. And also uh, we'll be doing some interviews with uh, different experts and so forth as we go on. Okay, I'd like this, um, you know, in America, I have over 125,000 listeners. I'd like to get the same amount in UK because what I am known for and what I do very, what I try very, very, very hard to do is give you good, honest, usable information, things you can use in your daily life, things you can use when you walk into your doctor's office so that you have knowledge, okay, and you know exactly what to say to them to make them do their job, okay? I really do understand why the doctors are 
stressed and not doing what we think they should do. Okay, but we also have to have the information and present it in, in the correct way so that you can get the help that you need. And I'm here to help you with that. Okay. So for right now, I will say good night. Okay. And I hope to see you guys. Good night to you. Good afternoon to me. This is so weird. Anyway, I will see you again in about two weeks. Uh, please give me some feedback on this and we will work out all the little bumps and grinds as soon as we can. Okay. Thank you very much for listening. I am looking forward to chatting with you again in a couple of weeks. Take care now. It's been a long road Getting from there to here It's been a long time But my time is finally near And I can feel the change